0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert Long with Sports Radio six ten Sean Bajani. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. 45 years in journalism between the two of us, over 35 covering sports in the H. Our show celebrates 10 years in September. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube because Monday we drop an exclusive with Texans quarterback, case keenum you're going to want to listen to that and if you need more texans go back to our steph stradley conversation a couple of days ago we might have some texans news later but today sean we got to start off by not getting injured or trying not to get injured because we're going to talk about the astros yeah the last five days they stunk. garcia done for the season or done for two months brantley and mccormick their comebacks are on hold do something sean do something (laughs)
1: Did you mention Dubon? I think they skated with him. But, you know, a little hamstring issue there the other night in the game. And according to Dusty Baker, they got him out just in time. I mean, thank goodness, right? Um, Because it doesn't feel like they can really withstand much more than they've already experienced, you know, Um, with stuff that haven't even Happened in spring training, but, you know, it's still lingering in Brantley's case from last year and his injury that he sustained in the game back in June. I mean, my gosh, uh, you just you need to get guys back healthy because once that happens, it's not necessarily about the production for me immediately it's when you know you have your dudes back in the locker room with you and they're healthy and they can contribute. When they're out there in the dugout with you and you see them in the lineup and they're ready to play, that just does something to a team. We know it. And it's going to do something to this team. I mean, this team is battle tested. We talk about it and we've seen it every single year for the last six. There's nothing really new that you could tell these guys it's going to light a fire under them. It's, hey, we know we're back at full strength. We've got you know, a full magazine in us, and now let's go play some ball. They don't have that yet. They're still trying to figure it out. As soon as they can get at least, um, you know, Brantley, Chaz, Altuve back, if they can keep their guys that have been kind of keeping the boat afloat, if you will, a little bit uh, healthy and sustained, I think they'll be just fine. I mean, 19 and 18 at this point in time, three and a half games back, the Angels and playing them the way that you just have the last couple of games, it is encouraging. I, I still have to say that. I think it, it is encouraging.
0: Yeah, you're talking about when this guy gets back and that guy, a lot of those guys, I don't know when they're going to get back. And this is the issue, Sean, because Dusty Baker said Michael Brantley was more sore than usual, quote unquote, yeah. because he had played a lot on his minor league rehab assignment. He had played a lot, and he was more sore than usual. And, Sean, the Astros, they use a lot of cloak and dagger language on these rehab assignments, on these players that have been injured. Maybe that's fine if the rehabs were working. Maybe the Patriots' you know, cloak and dagger stuff is okay if it's working. But Brantley, McCormick, and even McCullers' rehab all look like a complete organizational failure the way this is all playing
1: out. I don't like a lot what I'm seeing, you know, and uh, your tweet the other day in regards to what the Astros did this off season. When you look at the numbers, the lack of production, you look at the ages, you know, 32, 35, 34, whatever it was for their off season acquisitions or uh free agent signings, if you will, from Montero to Neris to Brayu.
0: Yeah. Brayley one year, $12 million played zero games. Montero three years, $34 million. And we know, He's got a 614 ERA and a 317 yeah. batting average against you. You know, the Abreu story, the Astros, Sean, talking about that, they wasted $41 million just this year. What could they have done with that money? It's like Jim Crane got Jack Easterbead by Jack, Jack, Jeff Bagwell. He got Jack Easterbead.
1: Baggy's low-hanging fruit right now at this point. I mean, we still don't know how influential. We still don't know if that was solely his call, and I'll almost – but guarantee it wasn't. I mean, we know how active Jim Crane was uh, with this ball club in the offseason. So it was just as much his decision. I mean, he's the one flipping the bill for it. He's got to agree to it. And he knows his baseball. We've heard it from him. Um, his track. I just have a so hard time
0: Bagwell. believing that it was, you know, Click's underlings or Jeff Luno's underling. the other guys in the front office. I mean, Jeff Bagwell, we look at him yeah. because, you know, he was discussed. He was the front man, he was there. You know, trying to recruit Jose Abreu. I mean, this was Jeff yep. Bagwell's fingerprints all over it.
1: Yeah, and I, I always wonder, you know, if you would have had Dana Brown at that point in time, how would if he have done things differently? How would he? <laughs> how would he have attacked? You know, the free agent market. You know, would there have been a deal put in place to retain Yuli Gurriel? Would you have gotten Jose Abreu regardless, but on a much more team-friendly deal? Would you have explored the trade market uh, a little bit more aggressively with a center fielder or another first baseman? You know, Mark Reynolds was out there and he was rumored for months uh to 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 be interested uh to have mutual interest um and for the astros to be in play for him that obviously didn't happen you know i just i hindsight is uh is a terrible thing sometimes and in this case it's not good but you just hope that you know in uh, a case after getting his first day off all season long that maybe the worm starts to turn with him but i, I have to admit i mean I told you, and I wasn't, being, I wasn't being facetious or anything like that the other day when I said, hey, Memorial Day. Well, you know, you're 20 days away from Memorial Day, 20 days. You got to really start to put some things together here. You know, your back's up against the wall a little bit with the rotation as it's looking right now. You know, having to rely on guys like J.P. France and maybe Brandon Belak. Uh, but, hey, Christian Javier and Framber Valdez, they've pitched like aces. Their last two starts, and at a time and against an opponent in which you really needed it. And those kinds of contributions, in and of itself, can be the juice that a team needs to get going. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, whether it be in the regular season or the postseason, we've seen it from this ball club. So, Again, I'm going to reserve a little bit of patience just given that it is May 11th presently and we've got just over two, almost under three weeks before I really start getting a little bit more concerned and as much concerned as people have already been for about the last month or so.
0: Yeah, I, I keep going back to the off season because Sean, I was just thinking, how, how did Jim Crane not learn anything from all these years with Luno, Michael Elias, David Stearns, James Click, Sig Majel. I mean, there are all these guys that, you know are the brains behind what you built up these are contracts that you, you know they're like the last years of the of the contracts that you didn't want to give to Car- you didn't want to be paying mm-hmm. carlos correa or george springer 20 million dollars or 30 million dollars or even 15 million dollars in their mid to late 30s as their careers are winding down and yet those were the contracts you literally handed out that type of money to guys in that you didn't even get the good years out of them you got The mid thirties years and with Montero, um, you know, Montero's in his early thirties. So this is not somebody that should go off a cliff. And there's still a chance that that contract might not be a disaster. But the bottom line is Montero is not a contract that would have, you would have seen from those other guys. And the thing with Montero, my my bigger issue was the fact that this is a middle reliever and a guy that had no proof of doing this over a long period of time. What was the urgency? And doing this with Montero, especially when you've got all of these really good middle relievers already—you've got Hector Neris signed, you had Brian Abreu signed, you had Ryan Stanek signed—all on really good deals. It just baffled me when it happened, and now as every as, as the, the the walls are collapsing around you, like a you know you're getting crushed like like they were in the original Star Wars in the trash compactor. You're like, oh my god, we could get out of it. If we just had some money to go out and trade for some oh, yeah, we spent $40 million on a bunch of nothing, old guys that are are not good anymore.
1: Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the old-school Astros under Drayton McClain, you know, this offseason when you really look at it. And a miscalculation, it might have been, by Jeff Bagwell and Jim Crane and company. And how is that going to affect the future uh, in terms of the Astros? What is that? What are those contracts going to look like you know, for the 2024 season, you know, might you have to take a step back? And while you're still forced with some really tough decisions to make in regards to the future of Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, and never mind Kyle Tucker in what a contract extension looks like for him, there are a lot of important and franchise altering decisions, as at least as we know them to be, that are, you know, coming up, and they're going to come up very quickly. But Hey, look. This is the season at hand right now. There's no undoing what you did this off season. The best case scenario for me, you know, is that you can, you know, start to get some contributions from some of these guys that you uh, gave contracts to Neris Montero and Abreu. Those are your big three, right? Never mind Michael Brantley. I mean, we kind of all agreed that yes, while he does bring, you know, some some important uh, elements in terms of his presence in the clubhouse and the dugout. He certainly has value when he's a healthy as, uh, when he's a healthy player, but when you start getting contributions from some of these guys that we're worried about, you have to really start looking and we're going to see just how aggressive maybe you know Dana Brown is going to have to be. You might have to give some to get back just a little uh, just to kind of create more of an advantage for you going forward you know you might have to eat some of this money uh, that you've given to these guys just. In hopes that you're not hindering this World Series championship window any more than maybe you already have.
0: And the other thing that's an issue is with the Abreu contract and his situation and where the Astros are at first base. You would think, oh, first base—that's an easy position to find replacements. Yeah. And you look at in the organization, though, the Astros organization, and I'm looking up and down at the numbers nothing. for their first baseman, and there's nothing. There's nobody that's jumping out. There's nobody special all up and down the organization. And frankly, the organization is still trying to recover from those two seasons where they didn't have high draft picks. And then I just feel like they they haven't recovered from, you know, all those guys that they were trading away to get some of the, you know, the grit, the Grankies and the Garrett Coles and the Justin Verlanders that they got, they just haven't recovered with some young talent. Now those guys, luckily, not many of them did much of anything. Thankfully, yeah. the, the Astros aren't looking back at that, going, "Oh, we we could have had this guy really cheap right now, and he was a star." But uh, there, th- that is an issue. And but you know, at the, at the, I'm, I'll, I'll play the other side a little bit. Y- you still got this guy named Kyle Tucker and on yeah. Alvarez. You're still running out there in the lineup every day. And you know, you just talked about a little bit earlier. I mean, Fromber and Christian Javier those guys can really deal in Hunter Brown. You Hunter know, Brown. I still got a lot of confidence in that kid.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you probably, you can still look up and down this, uh, this roster and, and, you know, find some bright spots that are going to be here for you in years to come. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they've got a, a pretty solid foundation in a lot of areas, you know, from the bullpen to the starting staff, maybe you've got a really terrific catcher of the future. And uh, Yonar Diaz, Uh, up with the big club right now who is clearly showing his versatility. The Astros maybe don't like it, but the fact that, you know, he can step in, keep his bat in the lineup and play first base and you don't miss a hiccup with the uh, defense, you know, at the catching position, you still have that arm, you know, that threatens to throw anybody out. But
0: can I say something real quick about Yonor? Yeah. The real frustration for me with 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 John Diaz, Yonor, I, I don't I'm still going uh, to I'm going to go white
1: boy Yanner, man. Yeah, I, I, I
0: don't know what the <laughs> what the what the uh, pronunciation is. But with diaz here here's the thing that just bugs the crap out of me and i think we talked about it earlier but man it it looks bad right now you're you're over a month into the season abreu has struggled dusty refuses to give the guy a day off dusty in the past is big on giving guys days off he's big on it we've seen it over and over again that is dusty baker now the reason why he hasn't given jose abreu the day off is he's like, well, we got to have that guy in the lineup. Well, that guy hasn't shown up this year and he struggled. And typically you would sit somebody that's struggling here and there. He hasn't done it. And it's a missed opportunity for at bats to see more of John or Diaz because he can't play first. We just saw him play first yeah. the other night. And you question why hasn't that happened, especially because you brought in a third catcher on the roster who's basically a non factor for this team who is barely touched a bat, barely sat behind the plate. And it it tells me that Dana Brown and Dusty Baker are not on the same page.
1: Cesar Salazar is kind of like a grad assistant, you know, just wasting space with an office cubicle in the coaching lounge. You know, it's like if you're not going to contribute, dude, like if we're not really able to see anything right now, it's hard to really justify your presence on the roster right now, much less the 40 man. So, yeah, I mean, a decision's got to be made. A lot of decisions have to be made. But, you know, what, Brey, that's kind of a fascinating deal to me. I mean, this guy's a, a major league veteran who's you know, been through his struggles and has corrected it and has put up some terrific numbers. And I understand the slide over the course of the last couple of three years and coming into this year, it's not pretty, but you never know what kind of dynamic you're, you're really working with with a new personality. I I just, I I don't want to crush Dusty really, because I don't know in regards to why he'd waited so long to sit uh, Jose Abreu or rather give him a day off, you know, maybe just to kind of decompress, figure some things out because You never know, man. Like, Jose Abreu, yeah, I remember hearing old stories, you know, with Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, like when Durker would try to give one of those guys a rest. They'd be the first ones at his office door that day as soon as they found out. Biggio would get so pissed off that he'd throw baseballs at his door.
0: But the Um, difference between Bagwell and Biggio getting days off, those guys were leaders and longtime guys in this clubhouse, the best players. Abreu, get in line, buddy. You're behind Altuve and Jordan and Kyle Tucker and Alex Bregman. Get in line and look, the MVPs and the All-Star Games, that sits at the door. You're on a championship team now, brother. And if you ain't putting up, then shut up and sit down when I tell you to sit down. There isn't a question that Dusty Baker should have all the gravitas. He's coming off a championship and he's one of the best, best, best managers in baseball, best people managers in baseball. How can he not have...
1: Asked him to sit. He solidified himself as a uh, Hall of Famer. You know, Dusty's going to be a Hall of Famer now that he's got the World Series championship under his belt, you know, as manager of the Astros. But, you know, by the same token, I I don't know that it was, that it's been a brave flexing or that it's just been Dusty being Dusty, you know, and flexing and just trying to take an approach like, hey, man, this guy's a baller. As long as he's healthy, I'm going to keep putting him out there. He's going to figure it out. It's a vote of confidence, you know, for a player. Uh, of a veteran status that, yeah, you're right, is an MVP, is an all star, is a guy that's proven in this league coming into a world championship roster and struggling mightily, but when he has that vote of confidence, when he has the faith of a manager in him, you know, maybe that can be a relaxing sort of mode for him to kind of just get going. It hasn't worked to this point. He got a day off. Maybe Dusty had a talk with him and said, hey, take a day, decompress, figure some stuff out. Don't even think about baseball today. Don't look at anything. You know, I don't know what it was, but we'll see if it happens. Well, you know what? He came right back out and, you know, shot a laser beam to center field and, it was caught. You know, the guy hit the ball hard. You know, I don't know if that gets him rolling. I don't know if it doesn't. But one thing's for sure, Dusty's definitely going to give him the opportunity to fix things. And I think Dana Brown is certainly going to have to do that as well. Just the fact that they're paying him as much as they are, you know, 58, 59, 60 million dollars for the next three years, whatever it is. So it's something that we have to live with. And i tell you what. You know, I I might sound like it, but ain't nobody a bigger Jose Abreu fan right now than me, because I want to see the guy climb out of this massive hole that he's dug and just be an absolute baller. Um, It's funny, because as much as we're criticizing and people are criticizing Jose Abreu this year, and rightfully so, the guys, what he's getting paid, not producing. I mean, we could steal quotes all day from Carlos Correa this week. Like, hey, you know what? I should be getting booed for the way that I'm playing. It's it's terrible, right? I mean, you should be booing Jose Abreu. You should be criticizing him for what he's getting paid and the way that he's playing and not performing. Sure. But how much crap did people talk about Yuli Gurriel last year when he struggled to hit 240 all hold, season?
0: Hold on. Hold on. I want to just – I, I, I want to say something because I was thinking when you were talking about that and what Abreu had done <laughs> – the the reason why I didn't always give that much crap to Yuli Guriel, number one, everything he had done already with the Astros, you know, you, you build up the Astros, just, you you build up some gravitas. But number two, yeah. and Sean, this is something that I don't think you were going to mention. It's it's a little bit easier to give Yuli Guriel a pass when he's making defensive plays all over the place, as opposed to Abreu.
1: There's no question about that. You know, that was kind of his saving grace last year. There was, that was the and, but. Man, Yuli looked terrible, you know, with the play tonight. But man, he saved the Astros, but, you know, on that scoop from Bregman at third, or that terrific play, you know, by Pena at short. Whatever the case might have been, you're 100% right. But the the point is... Production, you know, because you're hurting in all areas right now with this team. And look, I just watched Abreu last night pick one at first base on a really nice play from Pena at short. Like, nobody talks about that, but because we've become so used to seeing that from Yuli. And, you know, the one or two mistakes that, you know, Abreu makes, it's like, man, you know, Yuli would have made that play. Well, you know what? He made a hell of a play last night, and it was fine. And you know what? The yeah. Astros needed every bit of that because the bullpen almost imploded.
0: You didn't see it last night because uh, they played in the afternoon, but you met like, a couple nights ago. I know what you meant.
1: <laughs> Give me this semantics crap. Uh, you're right. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. points still yeah, stands. Like, I just yeah. think you have to be fair, and you're 100% right. Like, Gravitas, you know, what Yuli did as an – Astro you hadn't had that opportunity just yet, but I'm willing to bet that he's going to come up and save the Astros' butts a time or two, and he'll have all of us eating out of the palm of his hand, just like the sheep that we are. You know, at some point, at least that's my hope.
0: Yeah, I, I wish I could be as hopeful. I, I, I just, I, I've watched guys get washed, and he looks like a guy that's got washed. I, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I mean, we I, people on Twitter. Need to understand. Look at, look at what I do. I'm Houston sports talk. Listen to the show. Yeah. I, I, I criticize these guys, but obviously I'll do. Yeah. If I didn't care about the Astros, I'm not hosting this stupid deal that, like I said, I've been doing this now for a decade. Hey, we got to talk about the Texan schedule because yeah, it is enough. out. But before we do that, I got to talk about some personal stuff because. Me and Luis Garcia, we've got a lot in common right now. I'm going to be undergoing the knife this Tuesday. Then I go on a rehab assignment. I'm out indefinitely, but this shouldn't be a McCullers situation. Sean, I wish I could blame this one on the World Baseball Classic, but I can't, unfortunately. I wasn't there.
1: <laughs> uh, we uh, might as well. We might as well <laughs> blame on the WBC. Everybody else is.
0: So the story, here's the story, and, and I haven't got a, a ton into some personal stuff with my health. But I have had what has been termed, I guess, uh, or what I would term as basically chronic fatigue for 23 years. This goes back to 1999. And I thought right off the bat, I had sleep apnea. And I went to go get tested. And I got tested again a few years later. And they kept telling me, you don't have sleep apnea. And I'm like, well, it sure seems like it. I even had a deviated septum surgery a couple of years in. And Um, I had a sinus infection surgery, so I was trying to get whatever was going on with my sleep corrected in in, in a couple of different ways. And then, and they, but they kept telling me on the test, I didn't have sleep apnea. And then a few months ago, I went to a different place. There's a place that's one of the best in Houston. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm hoping this is going to help me. And if it helps me, I want it to help you guys because I don't want anybody to go through what I've gone through the last couple of decades. But they said my sleep apnea is severe. Uh, 45 times an hour which I I don't mean I don't know if that means I'm stopped breathing but when I wake up in the morning it oftentimes feels like that's what was going on overnight I wake up feeling horrible uh, out of breath sometimes with chest and heart pain sometimes with uh, uh, suffocation feelings and stuff like that but it's been going on a long time and it's gotten much more severe I think as the years have gone on so they're gonna basically I'm getting a Superman Josh on they're gonna they're gonna pull my entire, jaw forward and make some more room down my throat. It's a surgery that's gotten much less complicated in recent years. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that this is finally the answer to a lot of the issues that I've, I've had. But I, I do the surgery on Tuesday. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be wiped out with the surgery, but they said the recovery should not be too bad. We'll see. <laughs> I've talked to a couple of people that have done it and said it wasn't a bad recovery at all. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping, I, I'm not worried about the surgery. I'm worried that it's not going to work and hoping that it's going to work though. And, 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 you know, you, you're you as a sports fan, Sean, for so many years, you, you know, I just keep pushing through things because yeah. that's what these guys teach us. You just, you push through and you push through and you push through and, you know, you just hope that something's going to turn around and something's going to be better. And um, I feel a, in a lot of ways, like, Lance McCullers and Anthony Davis, like things just keep getting worse and the injuries keep piling up and you, and you hope you can get out of it at some point.
1: Yeah, then well, you will. I mean, you've been a bulldog. You've been playing hurt, man, for a long time, but you've been doing a hell of a job at it. And, you know, now you've kind of seized the opportunity to get it done and you're just going to have a, a chiseled jaw, jawline like that, you know, and so it's going to be better um and hopefully you kind of look back on it and it was just a blip on the radar screen so all the best to you my man and uh we'll hold down the fort you know while you're uh while you're recovering and you just got to make sure you uh don't overdo it like Chaz and michael brantley in your rehab assignment and do what the doctors and the trainers tell you to do that's my advice
0: yeah Chaz with back issues man i've had those for years too and uh, that that's always difficult sean i mean and back issues it, it seems like once you get them they don't go away that's that was my concern with carlos correa i i understood the astros hesitancy carlos correa he's really struggling this year i don't think it's back issues but who knows but yeah he they're they're booing him with the twins mm-hmm. right now i don't know if you
1: noticed that yeah yeah i just mentioned it you know uh with what his commentary was, you know, after receiving the booze this week.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I said I deserve it. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and uh, I wouldn't expect anything less from a guy like Carlos Correa. Uh, I can't imagine ever him getting booed here in Houston um, by his own fans because he's so beloved. Um, if he'd never left, or even if he did coming back, you know, he's still he's still going to warrant a round of applause uh, when that day comes. But um, yeah, man, you'll you'll you'll. You'll, you'll make it through. I got no doubt about that. Just as much hope as I have in the Astros. I got more hope for you that you're going to make it out uh, bigger and better through this whole thing.
0: Texan schedule dropped as we're doing the show. Yep. So breaking news, at least for us, for you guys, it might not be. But what do you see there, Sean, when you look at the schedule?
1: All right. Your three preseason games. Uh, you're going to start off at the New England Patriots on August 10th, home for the Miami Dolphins on the 19th. And then you go to New Orleans to round out the preseason schedule on the 27th. Um, TBD is a kickoff time for that Patriots game, but everything else in the preseason is 7 o'clock. You're going to open the regular season uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, and that is a noon kick. Every single one of the Houston Texans games, except for two this regular season, are noon kickoffs. There's a 3.05 Against the Denver Broncos, that's a home game, December third, Sunday. Uh, that's three oh five on CBS. The other one is the final game of the regular season. You have the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the day and date is TBD for Week eighteen. Uh, no TV network, no time, so they're leaving that one open, obviously, to be flexed potentially. You have a one. You have one Fox game. Sorry. Oh no. You have one, two, three, four, five. Six Fox games, and that is home against the Colts, and that is on the 17th, away at the Jags on the 24th, the very next week. That's week three. Uh, Your other Fox game is October 8th at the Falcons, October 15th, home against the Saints. At the Panthers, Uh, one I broke last night, uh, the Texans are at the Panthers. That is a Fox game, but a noon kick on the 29th. Uh, So no Sunday night football for that one. And the other Fox game is December 31st uh, against the Tennessee Titans at home. So, by the way, you also have the Cleveland Browns uh, coming to H-Town. That is week 16. So you get a chance to see Deshaun Watson on Christmas Eve uh, on a CBS noontime (laughs) game.
0: That's funny. Christmas Eve, Deshaun Watson. What a a gift. (laughs)
1: Good stock and stuff are there, right? (laughs) I can't wait for the the material leading up to that one. But uh, hopefully it's, uh, you know, watered down because, you know, looking at the schedule, I mean, I could make an argument for a lot of really tough games just based on, you know, how much better the teams, specifically the Jaguars, have gotten in your own division. But you're opening at Baltimore. You know, if there was a game that I would presume the Texans could be double-digit underdogs against. It might be the Ravens. You know, they've been double-digit underdogs, you know, quite a bit, you know, over the course of the last two years. But, I mean, the Ravens, that's a that's a tough start. You know, week one, you don't know who your quarterback's going to be officially yet for that first game. Um, maybe it's Stroud. Maybe it's Keenum. Who knows? But, I mean, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. So you got Ravens, Colts, Jags, Steelers. I mean, right out of the gate, there's uh, arguably, you know, three out of your four really, really tough games.
0: First year in Texans history with no primetime games.
1: Wow. Is it the first year? Did they have one last year?
0: Uh, didn't they? I think this is the first year that there it, you don't have to have primetime games according oh. to the NFL schedule because uh, yeah. we did have the Thursday game last year, well, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm looking at that Denver Broncos game, you know, Sunday, December 3rd. I mean, that's that's a three o'clock game. And I I know it's, you know, not a seven o'clock. It's not considered prime time, but I'm just kind of looking at it in the sense that, hey, That's Russell Wilson. That's Sean Payton. It's three o'clock. It'll be two o'clock in Denver. A lot of eyes are going to be on that. That's still middle of the day. Sunday people are out at the bars. I mean, that's going to be a pretty heavily viewed game, you know, especially if uh, the Texans are competitive and Stroud is, you know, if the Texans are competitive, that's probably saying that Stroud is playing fairly well uh, as a rookie. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good game. I mean, a three o'clock time slot for that one's a heck of a lot better than noon. So. I'm kind of excited for that one. And you don't know if the season shakes out, um, you know, like I think it will, where, you know, you get around uh, week 11, you know, week 10, and you see the column on the right side of your screen that says in the hunt, I fully expect the Texans to be there uh, through that stretch run and playing meaningful games the final month of the season. So that Colts game to round out the regular season schedule, um, I mean, that could be flexed. That could be a primetime game.
0: I understand why the Texans aren't on prime time to a degree, but I feel like the Texans have one of the more compelling stories this year with the drafting of CJ Stroud, you know, getting D'Amico, drafting Will Anderson. And and the big thing that I thought, you know, it's not a late in the season game. It's sort of, you know, October the 29th. I mean, yeah, it's middle of the season and Potentially these, these teams could look like garbage by that point. But when they played Carolina, it's, it's Bryce versus CJ, which is, uh, I think it's, could be one of the more compelling storylines. One versus two, you know, oh, Carolina yeah. making the decision to draft Bryce over CJ Stroud. Uh, those guys by some people were considered pretty close. I'm, I'm yep. surprised that, that they, they, they wouldn't throw that match up a bone. I, I get it. I, in Carolina, obviously not a big media market, but eh, I, I thought that might be a primetime game.
1: No, that's fair, and I'm going to look up if I can and see what other games are scheduled uh, that day, like who got the primetime games. I don't know if that's available on uh, ESPN, which is a site that I'm going to go to here in a minute, but I will say this. One thing that I did notice about this schedule I think is kind of cool, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember. And I don't feel like it's commonplace for a team to have three straight home games, but the Texans have three straight home games, Uh, November 19th, 26th, and December 3rd. All Sunday contests. You get the Cardinals, Jags, and Broncos coming in. Back-to-back-to-back weeks of home games. Really, double down on it, they have four out of five games at NRG from November 5th to December 3rd. So you're going to see your team at home a lot. And that's a really juicy part of the season. Two weeks removed from the bye week which is week seven for the Texans. So they're kind of back in the NFL's good graces. You could almost guarantee lock it up when it was a 16 game schedule. The Texans were always kind of graced with a very favorable bye week before the last two, three seasons happened. You know, it was generally around like week eight, nine or 10, right in the heart of the middle of the season when you needed that break. And so you get a week seven, you know, that's, that's pretty good draw for the Texans, which I feel like, uh, you know, it's been all over the place the last couple of seasons, but, um, Four out of five home games, you know, in the course of a month and three in a row, I I like it. And then two straight home games before uh, you go to Indianapolis for the, uh, for the week 18 contest. But um, I'm going to see who plays on the 29th.
0: Yeah. Stroud versus Bryce. You could have put that on Thursday night football. I mean, I get it, not throwing it on a Sunday night, even a Monday night, but that could have been a Thursday night game. But I I look at this schedule, Sean, and we got to, you know, look at that first section of it. And frankly, it, it, it's not terrible if you're the Texans and you want to have some winnable games early to give the team a little bit of confidence. You don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. face the murderous row right off the bat early in the season. But if you look at that schedule, yeah, the Ravens, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I I don't think this is, you know, a guarantee that the Ravens are just going to be this juggernaut this year. So uh, not, not that they're a, a, a bad team. That That's probably a game that you're going to lose right off the bat at Baltimore. But after that, you're playing the Colts at home, uh, you know, who knows who their quarterback is going to be. Then you face Jacksonville. Um, that's the toughest division game. Mm-hmm. The Steelers are trying to get their feet. They've got a quarterback that's still trying to prove himself. He's in his second year, very Davis Mills-ish. Uh, after that, the Atlanta Falcons, that that could definitely be a winnable game. Same with the Saints after that. Then you've got a bye week. Carolina's going to have a rookie quarterback. Uh, they're They're That'll a better be. team on paper, but, uh, they're yep. going to have a rookie quarterback for sure starting that game. And then Tampa Bay, I assume that's going to be bad without Tom Brady. Um, so you've got some games in those first few that I think, okay, maybe you can get, grab that one. You could be in this one, you know, there there's not going to be a bunch of blowouts, a bunch of, you know, Patrick Mahomes running the score up on you early on and stuff like that. I I just feel like, you know, that, that's a good thing for the Texans schedule just to give them a little bit of confidence early in, on in the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just kind of looking through this and I'm trying to see which ones I'm really anticipating. You know, the Ravens is certainly one. Uh, the Colts, a- any division game this year, I think, aside from the Titans, which I think are going to be really, really bad, I'm looking forward to because the Texans and Colts, Texans and Jags, they always seem to play uh, some really competitive football games. So, the first three weeks are really good. Steelers are always entertaining uh, and exciting. Atlanta, um, Saints, okay. You know, let's see. Let's get a little bit of Derek Carr action. Um, obviously, the t- August October 29th game at Carolina, you know, the top two picks in the NFL draft. Buccaneers, is it going to be Baker Mayfield at quarterback? I don't know. Bengals, going to be a really good one, tough one at Cincinnati, November 12th. Cardinals, Jags, Broncos, all three home games. In that back-to-back-to-back stretch I was talking about, um, really looking forward to the Jags and the Broncos. Cardinals, too, you know, with Kyler Murray uh, in a really pivotal year for him.
0: Uh, wait, wait, hold hold on with that Cardinals. This is a huge game for the Texans because mm-hmm. you want to win that one because you're trying to give yep. them a worse pick this coming year. I'll and do, look, yeah, the, Cardinals, the, Cardinals, the Cardinals, if you lose to the card, I mean, the Cardinals, by most people's account, look like the worst team on paper in the entire NFL right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't looked at him that closely, Um, you know, with a new general manager and I mean really whole new regime over there with uh, Kingsbury out. And so I say it's a pivotal year for Kyler Murray. He's got to show vast improvement. Um, I'm looking forward to that game. And, you know, around that time, you'll kind of get a pretty good idea of kind of what he's becoming uh, of the 2023 season jets game. Robert Sala, D'Amico, Ryan's—you know, back-to-back defensive coordinators at uh, San Francisco, now head coaches in the league. I'm looking forward to that one. Obviously, Deshaun Watson and the Browns coming in Christmas Eve, and you round out with the uh, Titans on New Year's Eve and the Colts for Week 18. So, a lot of exciting games. To be honest with you, well, um,
0: the exciting—I'm I, I, going to say this is not a This is not a marquee. This is not a marquee, sco- this is not a marquee quarterback schedule. Yeah, there's some storyline. There's always storylines, but as far as quarterbacks, like we're, we're not talking about the murders. I mean, you're, you're going to face Joe Burrow, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Is, is he the same Aaron Rodgers? No, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Is he the same Russell Wilson? No, uh, you're going to, you're going to face Deshaun Watson. Is, is it this? Is Deshaun Watson going to be? I mean, there are three guys that are marquee in this group and you have no idea the rest of the quarterbacks in this schedule. Uh, I mean, Trevor and who? I mean, are Joe Burrow. Who else? With
1: The Jets. And no, Russell I. But Wilson. I'm saying,
0: I'm saying, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. They're not. I mean, come on, Sean.
1: Like the, the guys are be getting a big older. For both of those guys. I mean, I mean, it's you know,
0: it's big, but they're not the same guy. I mean, this this is not a deal where you're. I mean, I'm not expecting them all of a sudden to flash back to when they were in their late 20s and early right. 30s. They look like right. guys on the decline. This is. They're not. You know, the, they're not in the top five or ten best quarterbacks in the
1: NFL anymore.
0: I don't, I don't nope, think they are, but maybe, maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers can have a comeback year. Uh, Russell Wilson, I, I would doubt.
1: On a given day, um, I'm not going to put it past them, you know. And when your team plays them, it's just that one day. You know, what are they going to look like? But you've got Lamar Jackson. You've got Trevor Lawrence. You've got – I'm not going to go Derek Carr yet, so I'm sticking with two. And you've got uh, Bryce Young. You've got Joe Burrow, you've got Kyler Murray, you've got uh, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's eight different quarterbacks. I mean, half of your schedule is pretty damn good quarterbacks. And if you want to throw Derek Carr in there, you see what he does with the Saints this year. I don't know. We'll see. Derek
0: Derek Carr was All a right. guy that Texans fan. if you had told Texans fan we're going to go get Derek Carr, they would have thrown up in oh. their mouth. Bryce Young is a rookie yeah. quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson looked like garbage last year. Sean Payton, I this yeah. is going to be if he pulls this, if he turns it around, it's going to be one of the great resurrect. And there's a reason why Russell Wilson was traded from the Seattle. So, like, quit looking, quit doing your Dusty Baker and looking at the back of the baseball card and look at the guy that we see today. You know, look at the age and where the trend is going with these guys.
1: Yeah, I get it. But my I mean, point is, is I'm looking forward to those games because, you know, why Sean Payton was hired, you know, to turn things around in Denver and he's going to have to do it with Russell Wilson. So that's going to be an exciting game. And if he's doing it at that point in the season, in the heart of the middle of the season, when you're going to see him, could be a really good matchup. Uh, Deshaun Watson, does he look like the Texans version of Deshaun Watson for the first time in Cleveland? That's going to be a really interesting one. What does that look like? You know, are the Cleveland Browns vying for a playoff spot right there? Are they potentially knocking the Texans out of a, a wild card uh, seed or an in the hunt, whatever it may be for the division who knows? Cause I still think that's very gettable. I'm not going to give uh, the trophy to uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's still the AFC South until proven otherwise. Um, there's just some games, man. And you know, Aaron Rodgers and, uh, uh, New York, that's going to be a hell of an experiment this year that, uh, uh I'm going to have, uh, both of my eyes on every single week. It's for nothing else going to be pretty entertaining. So I like it, you know, um, I, I wish there was a couple of primetime games mixed in there, you know, a good Thursday night, or at least uh Sunday night football don't need a Monday, but I wish there was just a couple, you never know. I'm old. I'd hope that maybe that week 18, uh, lights a fire and is interesting enough for, uh, uh, you know the, the the higher ups, and we get to see the Texans on prime time in a meaningful game, week eighteen against the Colts. So we'll see.
0: It's funny to hear you say I'm looking forward to this game and that game. It, would there be a game that you would not look forward to? Sh-
1: You're a football fan. You're a Texans fan. You're going to be looking forward to all of them, aren't you? Uh, you know the Falcons. <laughs> that's like a fart in wing. You know I don't care about them. Uh, there's <laughs> there's three or four games that I don't. You know I don't really. Uh, pine to see but I know there's going to be some afternoons where I'm uh, looking forward to uh, the food display and the press box much more than I am maybe watching some football but (laughs) I don't know at least that's the way that it's been in years past but uh, something tells me that as long as CJ Stroud and this rookie class is on the field they're healthy and they're contributing yeah I mean I'm looking forward to all of it there's a newness man I mean you know what it is um, Everything is new, but you know, I said something in in my article that I wrote a couple of days ago. You can check it out on SportsRadio610.com. That you know, I I know it's a little hyperbole, and but but I think it's really true. There's as much unknown about all of the new additions as there maybe is about the known of the incumbents with this organization, and. That might be an exciting thing for some. That might be a scary thing uh, for some people. But nonetheless, the worm is certainly turned, and you're going to be glued. If you're a fan of football in Houston and you want your team back, you're going to be glued to your TV, to sports talk radio, um, to Texans talk all season long to see what's going on with D'Amico. What kind of development is C.J. Stroud you know, undergoing? What kind of progress is he making? What are these young receivers looking like? Is this offensive line really solidified? Does this defense have an angry bone in their body? What is D'Amico doing on that side? So I, I just think there's a lot to pay attention to, a lot to be excited about, um, because I don't expect it all to work. You know, they're they're new minds. They're different approaches to this. There's so many new bodies around. They're not going to pitch a perfect game. What did they screw up on this offseason? What could they have done better? That's what we're going to spend this entire regular season and even training camp uh, dissecting and criticizing. And I'm really just looking forward to that in and of itself. And so if it is a popcorn fart of a game like the Falcons or the Tennessee Titans, hey, I'm still here for it.
0: Hopefully, at least this year, you're not going to be sitting in a library over at NRG Stadium, you're not going to be thinking <laughs> no, where won't. can I where can I look for the the? Uh, I want to look for the math books, where's the Dewey Decimal System because it's just so quiet in here I think I can go study and uh, get some homework done it, it might be a little bit louder at NRG Stadium this year than it has been, hopefully
1: mm-hmm. Yep, 100% I, I will guarantee that and um, with, with only room to grow, there's no doubt about it I mean, they get a they got an opportunity, man. Because you're in the in this division, and because you never know how health or anything like that is going to shake out, they can play some really exciting football and and impress a lot of people this season. And I, I I I kind of hold on to the historical aspects on these things because it does excite me that you know over the course of the last twenty two seasons. 20 times has a team finished last in their division and finished first the very next year. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to the Texans doing that, but I am saying I'm going to do a little bit more digging on this. In terms of the type of improvement in the games and in which they were played under the previous regime, with some similar players, and the Texans have plenty of them this year, in spots that they're going to be asked by a new regime to contribute, what is the improvement? i got a lot of homework to do over the course of the last 20, 25 years, but I'm looking forward to it. I just wouldn't be surprised, man. The over-under from Vegas is five and a half uh, wins for the Texans. I'm not a betting guy usually, but today I'm going to make this bet without even having dissected the schedule uh, any further than you and I have right now, I'll take that five and a half over. Um, I like it that much. I, I I just I I believe in in the competency and the improvement as such from just the coaching staff in relation to the direction that the organization actually wants to go. They weren't trying to win a damn thing last year, and hell, you know, the one time you knew they didn't want to, they did week eighteen. Hashtag thanks, Lovey, for nothing. Um, But I'm looking for a vast improvement from last year to this year.
0: Shaq Mason, last part of the show, he got a new contract, three years, $36 million, $10 million guaranteed. That's pretty much what I would have put him at with what he brings to the table for the Texans. Mm -hmm. You can say, well, he's a little bit older. Should you pay him? He, he might be declining a little bit. I don't know. Him declining is better than all the other guys that we've seen on the incline or the whatever leveled off uh, guys that we've seen at guard recently by the Texans. So, um, no problem with that deal at all. I mean, Jack Mason is in his early 30s and it's a $10 million guarantee. That's the only money that really matters. Like, if you get rid of him, how much did you really pay him? And, and, and that's the number.
1: Yeah, um, I was actually surprised. Is maybe even a little too strong, but uh, I mean, I raised my eyebrows when I saw the Texans signed him to a three-year deal and didn't put pads on yet. I mean, it's obviously. I just wondered, like, why wouldn't you have done that deal when you acquired him? You know, why? Why now? And maybe you know, Nick and Texans, they just had a lot of stuff going on and you know, they promised Shaq that, hey, you know, we're we're going to do something later this offseason. Don't worry, we'll take care of you kind of a thing. But uh, I mean, it, it's good. Shaq was actually asked about, you know, being here on the life of a previous contract and his availability last week. And the only thing that he'd said, he was like, hey, man, I don't really care about that. I don't mess with that stuff. I let my people handle that. I'm just here to play football. And I I like those kinds of answers, you know, from my athletes, like, He's here, he wants to play football, he likes Houston, he was intrigued by the situation, he's happy to be here, and happy to be with a team that has a a true direction. Like, he knows where they want to go, and he can see it. Uh, I think he's even one of the guys that said, hey, we got the recipe, man. Um, which I thought was an interesting line from him, uh, and how he was breaking down what he thought Nick Casario and Demico Rhines were doing and have done rather uh, this off season. So I was intrigued by that. I'm I'm glad they locked him up. You know, uh, he's got one of the longest deals out of any Houston Texan on the roster, so that's good for him. It's maybe Tunsil and him. I don't know, but their kicker, Kaimi Fairbound, outside of the fact that he had to choke up number seven for CJ Stroud. Um, but well, that, I, I, let,
0: let me just talk about the length of the contract for a second, because you're you're talking about it, and he, he got three years. Yeah, Uh, you, you got Kenyon Green, who's at least here going to be here for three more years. You got Laramie Tunsil that's going to be here for three more years. You got two rookie centers that are going to be here for four years. So really, it's trying oh, to rookies. get yeah. co- continuity in the offensive line. It's it's, yeah, it's no. continuity and other positions. You don't need continuity necessarily at linebacker, at defensive line. But in the offensive line, continuity helps.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a really, really good point. And one guy, I mean, I'd say you'd know for a fact is going to be here, uh, and that's Tunsil. You just made him the highest paid left tackle uh, in the game. And what are they going to do with Titus Howard? I imagine he's probably going to get close to, uh, you know, record-type money at right now. No, no, nope, don't think so. I think,
0: I think there's a good chance that Titus Howard – is they just let it run out. There's a good chance that they just decide to draft somebody next year because Titus Howard, if you look at the numbers, if you look at what he's doing, he's just a dude. He's a jag at at right tackle. And I, I don't know if he's shown enough to go, man, let's go and give him some decent money as a right tackle, as opposed to just getting a rookie and plugging him in there.
1: I don't know, man. I mean, he was one of only three guys, I think, last year to have seen as many pressures at his position and give up just one sack, you know, through 17 weeks of the season. Um, I mean, that's the level of production that you're going to point to, you know, if you're Titus and say, hey, you know, pay me. I'm just saying, if the Texans do decide to if the Texans do deem there is a future here with Titus, I would suspect that he would get close to, you know, record-setting money. But you know, that's just speculative at this point. But I, I think
0: that would be a mistake. I I What do you mean record-setting money? What, what record for
1: what? You mean record-setting money? You know what record-setting money is for Laramie Tunsil at left tackle? He got it this year. I'm you, saying you're, you're talking about Laramie Tunsil money for for Titus Howard. I'm I'm saying, you know, I wouldn't be surprised no, if the Texans no. offered him record-setting no. money, you know, at no the right way. tackle position. I don't know. No way. No way. Um,
0: no way. No way. No way.
1: I don't know what that looks like at right tackle. It's probably a little bit different, you know, left tackle money. You have to look at it. Um, I would just say, based off of his production and versatility, I mean, what would you expect a guy that is up for his first big contract to get? you know, who's been healthy and has been a stable staple, you know, at right tackle for the Texans. Just a saying. A staple? A seems staple? Pretty, where else has he, he played? He's played guard uh, under, you I know. just talked about his versatility. I mean, where has he but been? He, but he, in,
0: versatility means you're good at multiple positions. He was not good at guard. Well, guard, I think,
1: is his natural position, right? No, no. He, no, he was
0: with, a tackle. No, 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 no. He was a tackle. Oh, he came in a at tackle, tackle and
1: played guard, yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, he, you're right. he
0: started off as a tackle his first year, but and, they, and, they, and they, moved him to, they moved him. to guard with, and they moved him around because of injuries. But they moved him to guard. They did a lot of stupid things that I disagreed with about moving him around, and that's no. what that's the frustration is. If he had been there for four years at tackle, and I could see does he have consistency? Is he good? Instead, they jacked around with he him, and this was year, not. Robert. This was not the. This was not this regime's fault. This was not the. Previous regime's fault, this goes back to mistakes made by bill o'brien and and that regime,
1: sure, yeah, he's had a couple of different offensive line coaches you know over the course of the last few years, um, but he was good, he was really good last year um, and you know with a solidified offensive line and a quarterback, you know now a real quarterback, uh, at least one that's better than what you 've had in house the last few years i mean i'm excited for him, so i don 't know what record money looks like. I just threw it out so. Um, the I just wouldn't be surprised. You want to talk about solidifying an offensive line and making all of these kind of contracts, you know, um, concurrent? I mean, why wouldn't you do that with a guy like Titus Howard? He's not going to get middling money. I'll tell you that.
0: I disagree. I don't think anybody's running out there and giving a ton of money to Titus Howard. Based on, you know, unless he has an incredible year this year, based on like one good year at right tackle, he he basically. His rookie year, he played tackle, and then they bounced him around. He he didn't have a lot of starts at tackle the last the two years before this past year. Um, he th- this is not somebody that grades out pro football focus, you know, unbelievable grades or anything like that compared to other right tackles. I I don't think he's considered top five right tackle in the NFL. And if 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 you've got uh information to prove otherwise, I'm open to it. I I hope that I hope I'm wrong, but we we had games where we we said yeah Titus Howard did not have a good game we we you know if, if, if for the people that sure he had the same st- us- he
1: had similar stats on Laramie Tunsil last year you know who was a false start machine you know at times but what does he do best he protects the quarterback um, you know what has Titus Howard done really really well you know in particular last year protected the quarterback from his position. You know, he allowed one sack. There was only three other offensive linemen with the amount of pressures that he'd seen in games played that did that. Laramie Tunsell was one of the others. Um, I used to know the third off the top of my head, but you have to go look for it. But he's had a really good season, man. Uh, and he needs to put another w- really good one together, and I think uh, he'll be able to kind of command you know, the market uh, at that position, at least in terms of what the Texans think of him. So we'll see. You know, I want those problems. I want you to pay really good players. And uh, when you have the ability to do that, I mean, that that means things are working. So, I mean, you're not going to pay a a right tackle and a left tackle, you know, record-setting money with Davis Mills as your quarterback. I think that was a lot of people's fear this offseason when Tunsil got that deal and there was conversation about the Texans not drafting a quarterback. That wasn't going to happen. Um So, and I'm glad we don't have to have that conversation any further. So we'll see. I mean, we all want those good problems. And
0: and I know people don't necessarily think pro football focus is perfect, but I can, I can sort of get ballpark with, 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 with offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and it's, it's, it was a 67, 68 last year. You know, that's not spectacular. The year before that he was low fifties the year before that he graded out at 62.1. So you know, if you look at what he's done so far, he's had one good year in four years. And part of that, I think is because he, they, they jacked with him and they moved him around, especially after his rookie year. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of complaints about that. If you're a regular, you know that, but you got it, you know, to me, if I'm giving a guy a good contract, he's got to do it more than, Hey, do it more than one year in a row. Don't Rafael Fair. Montero the deal. Let's, let's see him do it twice. <laughs>
1: right. Twice. Yeah. That's a good comp. (laughs) That's a good comp with exception of the age, maybe. But yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see.
0: All right. Let's uh, talk some Case Keenum on Monday. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys before too long after that. But keep keep your eye out. I'm going to put up a at least I'm going to have one throwback show. That was a real fun one that we did a few years ago Um, talking all sorts of classic uh houston sports stuff so keep an eye out for that but uh, thanks a lot sean and i uh, good luck to the uh rookies this weekend who will you will be out there for that right
1: yeah i will i'll be out there friday can't make it saturday but uh i'll definitely have a report for you next week
0: outstanding i'll see you down the road here all right man you're
1: listening to houston sports talk
0: Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.